Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about the wise men. So I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I know it doesn't seem like that's this time of year, but believe it or not, Christmas is in like three weeks. Isn't everyone really excited right now? I remember as a kid, you know, there would be this hype. You know, you'd be anxious and there'd be snow on the ground and everything would be already lit up and sparkly. And it's not that way anymore. You know, and uh, I love Christmas these days. One, because of what Jesus has done in my life and and how it has a, a deep meaning. So tonight I'm going to read out of Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. As you in Bethlehem, a land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for the ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd of my people in Israel. They Herod called a private meeting for the wise men, and they learned from the time of the, the star first appeared. Then he told them to go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasure chest, they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when the time came to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is a a pivotal story, because the birth of Christ was foretold, but everyone forgot. And just as, you know, our country, and even us, it, it seems... You know, we're, we forget the power of Christmas. You know, that it's interesting to me, you know, as I've done a little bit of research and I've watched some documentaries. There's a really good documentary called The Star of Bethlehem, which a guy goes through, you know, and, and finds the, the aspects of what the star did and, 
and does some research and it's it's pretty powerful if you watch it i i recommend it we've watched it here some christmases and you can find the the entirety of the video on youtube and uh it's a good holiday watch you know bring things into perspective but what is interesting to me is that they saw this star as it first appeared you know and they came from the land of the east which some believe was Babylon, which would be modern day, or, or was Babylon, which would be modern day Iraq. You know, so as they watched the stars, here's this group of guys, some say three, some say more than three, because there was three gifts. We say there was three wise men, but some say that there was a whole bunch of them that came to worship them. You know, and they came out of the, the east. Some say, as I've done some research, that most likely this is a school that was originally started by Daniel back in the Old Testament, that he was one of the wise men, and that they were settled in Babylon for a time. So here's a group of guys hundreds of years later who knew the prophecies of the Bible so that they would you know, be able to foresee the signs of the sky that were coming. You know, and so often it's important that we recognize the seasons that we're in. You know, sometimes it seems like God's absent. Sometimes it feels like God's presence is close. Sometimes we're not really sure what's going on. Sometimes we're in a whole lot of confusion, and sometimes there's a lot of warfare that's going on. But it's important that we recognize what what we're going through because it's important that we, you know, are seeking the Lord and, and, and following His direction. You know, and as a group of guys that saw a star and decided, like, that's the one and, and went on a trek, you know, to walk from Babylon, Iraq, to Jerusalem across the desert would have taken about two years. You know, and, What's tricky is as you you get into your Bible, the Christmas story changes. See, we, you know, have all the stories where, you know, the wise men show up at Jesus' birth. But when you get into your Bible, the wise men show up when Jesus is really about two. So when they started their journey, they saw the star in the sky, which was approximately the time that Jesus was actually being born. And they started following the star to the east. And when they got to Jerusalem and talked to Herod, the star changed direction and started going due south to Jerusalem. And then they started, you know, and stars don't really do that. But this star did. You know, so they get there and they're, you know, meeting Mary and and Jesus. And they present these gifts. You know, and they give them, you know, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Now everybody's like, yeah, I'll take some gold. But believe it or not, gold was the least expensive gift out of the three. It would be way more lucrative to have as much myrrh as that they had given them or as much frankincense as they had given them because it really was the ransom that they would give to a king. You know, we would all be like, yeah, give me some gold. But actually myrrh was the most expensive one of the bunch, if I remember correctly. And, 
Myrrh was something that was given, you know, or used in a time of burial. They would rub this all over a dead body, one, to cover the smell, you know, but it was also an anointing. It was an oil that they would rub. You know, and typically the weight that they would buy, you know, that they would cover a, a human man, you know, but the amount that they'd given him was the amount that they would use for a king. And, you know, it's the anointing that comes in the death, you know, and the suffering and the pain. You know, as many of us have been through suffering and, and pain and, and even have gone through death on some levels, you know, that's where anointing comes from. You know, and as we work through our struggles, we work through our pain, and we hand that stuff to Jesus. You know, His anointing comes on us. You know, and that we're resurrected out of very painful times so that we can become useful to our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. You know, and a lot of times we're still struggling in certain areas because we don't want to give that stuff to Jesus. So that we're still hanging out in the suffering and the pain because we won't die to certain things so that Jesus can come alive in us and through us. Now, frankincense was another gift, which was a spiritual aroma that they would burn this incense. And it was like prayers to the heavenly, you know, and the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, is moving in and through this situation in our lives where if we would let go and give these things to God, that we would die to ourselves and, and raise Him and worship Him as He is our King. That we would see things begin to shift in our lives. You know, and that we would worship Him as, as He should be worshipped. You know, I would say that everybody in this room believes in God. And most of us know the story of Jesus. We probably were raised on it. But I remember as a kid going through the motions of Christianity because my mom dragged me to church. But that did not mean that I worshipped him as the king of my life. That did not mean that I put Jesus in that place of lordship. You know, and they're completely different. Completely different than believing in God. You know, one of my favorite things to say when someone tells me that they believe in God, I'm like, well, the demons believed in God. At least they feared and trembled Him. You know, and yet, so often we're so haphazard in the way we, we live and in what we do because I'm still the Lord of my own life and I think that I can carry on as I I feel fit. But when we really look at the Christmas story, you know, that there is something that changes. You know, this is a, a, a time of year where, you know, families are supposed to be getting together and, and that the enemy, you know, is really coming against that. They don't even want us to meet. They don't want us to get together. They certainly don't want us to have Christmas because they don't care what it means. And we, you know, as Christians really need to stand up for our faith and, and, and go you know, forth and, and do what we feel led to do in that sense. But, 
you know, the, the world is always going to come against us and try to, to kill anything that has anything to do with Jesus. You know, and that spirit of Herod's been, you know, lurking about, you know, the, he's the politician of the air, you know, and he's against the, in trying to kill the anointed one, the king, because it, it, it challenges his rule. You know, and it's so funny is that they did not even know. You know, he, he sought the religious leaders of the day and, you know, he had to get informed. Because they didn't see the signs. You know, this is also a time of year when things get darker, right? You know, we, you know, at four o'clock it's dark out almost and, you know, it's, you know, some people dread it and, you know, hate the, the snow and hate the cold and hate the dark. But when is the light most appreciated? When is a fire most appreciated? You know, and we need that fire in our lives. We need the light that's above any other light to come in and illuminate us and warmth us with His fire to transform us in our spiritual or emotional darkness that we're in, that we're struggling, whatever we're facing, whether it's stuff going on in the world or stuff going on in our family, stuff going on in our marriage, stuff going on with our kids or our parents, stuff going on in our minds. There's no better opportunity for God to move in our lives when things feel hopeless, when things feel dark, when we don't have real solutions. You know, we celebrate Christmas, you know, on December 25th, which was not when Jesus was born. But it's interesting because December 21st is typically the darkest year or day of the year. But what many of us don't realize is that the 22nd, the 23rd, and 24th are exactly the same as the 21st. That there's darkness in the land and it's so much darkness and on the 25th the sun rises and it begins the process of becoming more and more each day you know as we move on you know so it's the sun has risen the sun is born you know and the catholics hijacked a, a pagan you know holiday you know of the worshiping the sun god and and the catholics are like that'll work and we'll just call that you know he's his birthday and he's our son and he's god but i don't think that it's any less powerful because it's what we make of it we can downplay it and we can you know downplay the religiousness and downplay the monotony and downplay the merchandising and downplay this and downplay that but when Jesus gets in there and begins to change us, nothing can downplay what he's attempting or is doing in each and every one of our lives. You know, and, and that's what's pure gold. You know, Joseph was an out-of-work carpenter, you know, supporting a, a family in a town that was not his own, even though his 
His family was from Bethlehem, and he had to go back there for the census. You know, and, and most likely he's, you know, taking care of his his wife and his newborn son. So he's probably picking up odd jobs around Bethlehem, but it's not where he's from. You know, you know they traveled on a donkey, so he probably didn't bring his tools. He was probably working as a laborer for somebody else and making ends meet just enough to provide for his family. And here, these guys show up out of nowhere and give them ransom of a king. You know, what's the, the, the price on that? Exponential. You know, and the prophecy right after this is that, you know, that Herod was going to kill every boy that was around two years old. And that's why we know that Jesus was about two. And that's why we know that they left two years prior to them getting there. And that they left in the night because Joseph had a dream. And they fled to Egypt. And there's no way that they would have made that journey if the wise men didn't give them that amount of money. Now, God can provide any way he wants to. You know, he could have literally said, here, I'll hook you up. But, you know, the fact that they had these gifts, that they would be able to to sell, you know, portions of them to pay for their journey. Now, once upon a time... You know, I had a lot of body piercings. You know, and I worked at the tattoo shop. And um, I just had quit my job. And I'd read this story. And part in this, you know, study Bible talks about that the gifts were a price that they were willing to give for their, you know, fleeing away from the enemy and their travel to and out of Egypt. You know, and I really felt led at that moment to take out my body piercings as a sacrifice, as a gift to God. And I knew that if I hung on to them, that I would most likely put them back in. So I threw them out. I threw them in the garbage, not even in my own house. I threw them away in such a way that I knew that there was no way that I could get them back. Now that was part of my identity. My identity is in, you know, was in the body piercings, in the job, you know, and obviously I still have the tattoos and they're not going away, but, you know, I, I gave that gift. Part of my identity is, you know, what little I could give to God and say, here, this is what I'm giving you. Take this and give me passage out of Egypt. Now, does it work that way? No. But in my heart, it meant a lot to me. Now, money-wise, probably a few hundred dollars worth of stainless steel, surgical steel, you know, pennies on the dollar for what Jesus has done in my life. But my life was transitioning. My life was changing. So often we're hanging on to areas of our past. You know, and... Maybe it's not a body piercing that you could take out. Maybe it's not a physical gift that you can give God. But it's part of our identity. You know, and I had to give up part of my old life so that I could have a new life in Christ. Now, I understand that we we do 
salvation and altar calls. We, we give our hearts to God. We believe in Him. But I also believe that our actions should follow suit. Now, I don't believe that there's a, a give and take that God, I'm going to give you this and you're going to give me that. I don't think it works that way. But I think my heart in that moment was pure as much as I could be in that, in that state of mind, in that state in my life where I just barely had enough Jesus to, to say I had some and he was wrecking my life and helping me to make different decisions and I, I was trying to stay sober and I walked away from friends and a job and a career that I'd worked so hard to have but I knew that if I stayed in that place if I stayed doing what I was doing, the, the likelihood that I was going to change, the likelihood that I was going to be able to be successful, the likelihood that I would stay sober, the likelihood that I would still be following Jesus was very low. And I knew that I had to change. I knew that I had to let go of what I thought that I wanted to be able to pursue Jesus in a way that I didn't even know what was coming. You know, if I could rewind 15 years, there's no way that you could even have convinced me where my life would have gone. You know, when I look back at a, such a small gift, you know, it was really just a, a spiritual moment of mine where I was just offering my identity to him and saying, take me on a journey. Now, I also know that it was the Holy Spirit that led me to throw those things out in a way that I could never get them back. Because the next three days were horrible for me. My spiritual identity was changing, and I didn't even know what that meant in that time. That I felt upside down, I felt out of place, I felt completely unhooked. I felt very uncomfortable I felt very confused because something was shifting and changing in my life. That my darkness was turning light and I didn't even understand what that meant. You know, that this is a time of year where, you know, we're going to exchange gifts on some level and, you know, it's all material stuff and, and some will be personal and some will be spiritual and, some of the things we'll get what we want, and some of the things we'll get what we need, and, and some things we'll return because the gift sucked. <laughs> Just be honest. There's no amount of money that we can give Jesus that's going to change our lives. But we can give him our heart. We can say, Jesus, I'm going to worship you. And I don't even know what that means, but these men gave up two years of their lives to walk through a desert, to give up who knows how much money, how long it took them to save that amount of money. Maybe they were wealthy, maybe they weren't. But they gave something that meant something. They gave them their time, it gave, you know, their direction, they gave financially. You know, I don't know what you need to give. But to go from a place where I say I believe God to I'm worshiping Him 
Something has to shift. Something has to change in our lives. Most of us are going through something. All of us are going through something. You know, this could be the darkest time that we've had in a while. You know, you can't just throw a dollar in the bucket and say, all right, Jesus, let's do this. It has something more. It's got to come from your heart. It's got to come from who you are. There's got to be something that you say, God, I'm willing to let go of who I am so I can have more of you. And the gift is exponential. There's, there's nothing that can, that can even come close to the birth of Jesus inside of our hearts that comes alive in such a way that our lives are changed forever. Now I'm speaking to a room of people that believe in Jesus. But is he my Lord? Do I worship him? Maybe you say yes. And maybe you are. But I know as I walk with him, there's always more. I'm never done. If the goal is to be Christ-like, and that's the thing that's always been driving me, that it's not to get sober, it's not to let go of my anger, it's not to forgive somebody, it's not to get finances, it's not to be not depressed anymore. You know, which if you would have said all those things to me 15 years ago, those would have been great goals. But that's that bar is basically, you know, on the floor. It's, it's taking a step over something that's it's easy. You know, I've been depressed for most of my life. Jesus started to come inside of me and, and started to burn a hole inside of me that began to change everything. Now, the things that we struggle with, I'm not trying to say that they're not difficult or they're not heavy. But what Jesus can do if we worship him. See, this isn't behavioral modification. And so often I think that that's what Christians really do, is that we pretend on Sunday to behave ourselves around the other behaviors. And then the other five, seven days of the week, we just do whatever the heck we want. And then Sunday comes, hey, praise God, hallelujah, brothers and sisters, ooh, yay, you know, we're at church. See, when I drank and drugged, I knew an hour a week on a, on a weekend was never going to be enough for me to be able to even come close to being able to change. I was absolutely broken. I was a lunatic. The things that I thought, the things that I did, we're insane. You know, and when I first started coming to church, it was just to get sober. You know, I'm going to see if this Jesus stuff works. But I was unwilling to give him other areas of my life. And those other areas of my life took me back out. So often we compartmentalize what we will give him and what we won't. And usually the things that we won't give him are the most important things because I'm still trying to hang on to it. I'm still trying to enjoy my sin. I'm still trying to to cover my pain doing it my way. Jesus wants us to 
to let him into the deepest, darkest places of our heart and our mind and in our identity so that we, we completely fall in love with him and we worship him and it changes us forever and we, we serve him. We don't need more Christians. We need people that truly worship him and follow him. You know, and that's the challenge. You know, will this Christmas just be another Christmas? Or will this time of year catch our attention in such a way that things begin to shift in us? That no matter what's going on around us, no matter what the government is saying, no matter what the politicians are saying, no matter what's happening in our cities, is Jesus going to be worshipped? Because I would imagine that Joseph was more poor than any of us in this room. And I would imagine that having the king of the area chase me down with all of his army to try to kill me is worse than anything that we're personally going through in the moment. And he was too. Jesus wants to get our attention. Believe it or not, I had no idea what I was going to talk about tonight. I had something completely else in mind. It's funny that Jesus wanted me to talk about Christmas. And I'll be honest, I don't feel real Christmassy. There's no tree at my house. There's no lights. There's no gifts. Because something in me needs to change. Now, most likely, I'm not going to have lights around my house, but I will get my four-foot tree out of the attic, and I'll bring it downstairs, and I'll plug that thing in. And I'll begin to ask him to, to light up my heart, to light up my darkness. Jesus, what do I need to give you? Because I don't stand up here trying to preach to you. I'm standing up here talking to myself. That my spiritual fire needs to burn. What part of me do I need to lay down again? Because I don't have it all figured out. Because I certainly don't. And I don't ever try to come at you guys like I do. I need to change just as much, if not more, than anybody in this room. I need Jesus in my life to to transform me again and again and again because I'm not content with just going through the motions of church. I want to worship him with my life. I want people around me to be like, what is up with that guy? I want people that don't believe in Jesus to want to be my friend because they see something different about me. Do they come to church? For the sake of coming to church, I hope not. But do they meet Christ in me? And it changes their perspective of what this might mean. That someday they might take a step across that that altar and meet Jesus for themselves. I absolutely hope so. You don't need any more people to come to church. We got enough of them already. And please understand my heart when I say that. We need people to catch on fire for Jesus. 
to lay down everything that they're, they think they want and say, Jesus, I'm ready to worship you because my life is not content. Everything I've been striving for, everything that I'm grabbing a hold of, everything that I'm using to, to medicate myself, everything that I'm doing right now is not sustaining me. I'm still not happy. Something's missing. And the only thing that I can understand that's missing is more of you. I need more of you. Jesus, I need more of you. And I believe that's true for every one of us in this room. We need more of him. Especially in a time of the year where we should be worshiping him. Where we should be exalting him in our lives. And it's just another dreary December day. be really cool Jesus if he gave us a lot of snow it's just my personal personal prayer some of you hate snow and I'm sorry but this is the day that the Lord has made rejoice in it we all got struggles Jesus is the only thing that makes that stuff make makes sense of any of it, that changes any of it, that heals any of it, that transforms any of it, that can use any of it. The wise men heard from God to not go back to Herod. They went home another way. So their journey brought them to Jerusalem. They met with the king of the area who said, Hey, when you find him, let me know because I want to worship him too. But they knew something was off. And they went home another way. Some of us need to go another way. We've been going through the same motions for a long time. We've been seeking Jesus and we've been going through the motions and we've been hanging out with the wrong people. We've been hanging out with the naysayers. We've been hanging out with those who are like, hey, I want to worship him too. And they don't. And Jesus is challenging us to change. And there's some people that we're hanging out with right now that I know that if I continue to hang out with that person, my spiritual temperature is never going to change. And I don't know who those people are. I don't know what anybody's doing necessarily. But when the wise men met Jesus, the way that they came to him, it changed them, and they didn't go back to where they came from. They went a different way. And some of us need something new to change in our lives. Something has to shift. Something has to happen because the same old way that we've been doing it isn't working. Now, this year's been absolutely insane. It's been unlike any other year that any of us have ever experienced. And next year might be very similar. It doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. So we can't hope that when 2021 gets here, everything is going to be better. Because it's not. Let me just tell you, it's probably going to be no different than last month. Can I just be honest? We're in insanity and everyone around us is crazy. 
and it's from the top down. So we got to find Jesus in the midst of whatever's going on and saying something's got to change in me because I can't expect the government, I can't expect the city, I can't expect anything around me to change well enough for me to say, ooh, I'm having a good day. We have to find Jesus in the midst of this craziness and say something's got to change in me no matter what's going on around me and I need to go home and find a different way to live. And the only way that's going to take place is if we really truly start worshiping Jesus. I don't know what any of us need to lay down. I, I know some of what some of you are going through. But typically, that's just the tip of the iceberg with most of us. So I just want to take a moment and just pause in the silence. You just personally talk to him on your own. You don't have to say anything out loud. You know what your struggles are. You know what you need to lay down. You know what you're fighting. You know what you're battling. So I just want you to just ask him in. Just say, Jesus, light up my darkness. Jesus, I want to worship you. I want to change. I want to let go of all these things. I don't know what it is that I need to give you, but you can have it. Just take a moment and let him in. Just personally, just talk to him. Lord, we need you so much. Lord, help us to worship you. And if we're struggling with what that really means, I pray that you would reveal it to us. Lord, it's more than singing a song. It's it's more than raising our hands, Lord, that help us to truly worship you. Help us to fall in love with you. Help us to want to get close to you. Help us to want to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to lay our pain, our fears, the traumas, the, the stories, the the coping mechanisms at your feet. Lord, help us to give you our sin because you paid the ultimate price for it. Lord, I ask you'd break off the melancholy. I pray that you'd break off the apathy. I, I pray that you'd break off the depression, the fear, the anger, the insecurities. I pray that you break off the lust and the addictions. Lord, I pray that you would come and set fire to our hearts, Lord. That you would burn inside of each and every one of us so bright, Lord. That it would be this all-consuming fire, Lord. That we would come to this understanding that, Emmanuel, you are with us. Lord, that you are with us and that you are within us. Lord, we need you so much. We cannot stay the same, Lord. We don't want to stay the same, Lord. Meet us where we are, Lord. Take our hand and guide us into this deeper place with you. That we cannot get there on our own. 
Lord, we need you so much to set us free from the thing that we've been entangled in for far too long. Lord, I pray that you'd heal our hearts and you renew our minds and that we'd let go of things that we've been struggling with. We lay them at your feet and we say, I want to worship you. I want to worship you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.